Old Gold Club. Powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. Official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. So hello and welcome to episode three of Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. Great guys. Um, I'm Mikey Burrows. I'm Chris Willemo. You right? Yeah, week? very good. Yeah, busy, busy all over the place, non-stop. We're going to talk loads about our guests coming up this week. Absolute true legend. Like I'm really excited by this one. Kenny Hibbert is our guest today. I'm going to talk a little bit about him uh, in a few moments because I just want to touch on one or two things that kind of came out of the show last week. It's something that we're going to try and do as we go along, which is kind of last week's show this week because lots of people want to have their say on it. Tony Daly was our guest on last week's podcast. Uh, Kenny Hibbert's just arrived. Hello, Kenny. <laughs> we'll, we'll talk to you in a second, my friend. Um, if someone wants to get him a drink, that would be great. Um, yeah, so... Tony Daly was our guest last week and we had a lot of conversation about mental health really and responding to injuries and, and how you get through all that kind of stuff. Um, John Bradley sent us a message, said really enjoying at Old Gold Club podcast so far. Fascinating glimpse behind the scenes. Um, he's also given us a nickname suggestion which I'll come to in a minute. Chris Wharton said it's great to hear mental health being talked about openly and honestly hashtag mental health matters no it does you know i think uh i think everyone and in, in every walk of life it's it's something that there's definitely needs to be more awareness but to kind of normalize it that people can speak about it and i think the more we, we can do and touch on it every opportunity we we, we we get i think it's important you know i think uh, people see it and it's there's a realization then that it does exist it is a big problem it should be dealt with like any other injury and I think that's probably the way the way that we're going to that's the avenue that we're probably going to mm. take with it okay well we are going to touch on it again uh, as before because I'm sure it will come up of course in other discussions that we have one of the things that we were talking about on the podcast last week was uh, football nicknames and there's been a few suggestions mainly for me rather than you so let me just run you few, okay. through some of these so <laughs> so John Bradley said uh, surely it's got to be Mikey the Buzz Burrows he says not original but perfect for the in-game atmosphere that I create yeah but like me and Dales said last week it's like so we're, we're on the training pitch I'm not going to say all that to, for you to put the ball hang the ball up yeah, you can my- call me the Buzz yeah, the buzz then. All right, Mikey the Buzz Burrows. There's just yeah, that's the, the long nick, form. The whole of it. nickname is supposed to shorten it, so it's just it's sharp, isn't it? <laughs> um, David Powell said, "How have you never had the nickname Digger?" Should be self-explanatory. Well, again, yeah, I don't mind that. I think that that, that suits. Would you rather call me the Buzz or Digger? I think Digger. I think I'm going Digger. Digger, yeah. D- Digger is a good one. Um, and then Danny Roseman said, "Clearly, your football nickname should just be Mikey Mikey." Or Mikey E. <laughs> Mikey, or Mikey, Mikey, Mikey E. Mikey. Mikey. <laughs> I don't mind. That's all right, that. I like that. Because, Kenny, last week we were talking about the fact that in football, football nicknames, just people add on an S, a Y, or a No mm, onto football. the end of someone's name to get their football nickname. Mm. So were you Hibito? No, Hibby. Hibby? Engine the Y. Yeah, Hibby. Yeah, but it's, 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 it's straight to the point. Hibby, here. Ball in, exactly. round the corner. Yeah, yeah. Well, it was Andy Gray who started it, I have to say, a Scotsman. <laughs> they, don't under, they don't understand. You know, it, was, uh, it was either he'd be um, well done or he'd be, why don't you do this? You know, <laughs> give, me, give me better balls or something, you know, knock it into your feet rather than put it up here, you know. So, that, yeah, it stuck. Yeah. Just, um, on that, just on that, what you said there, you know, about Andy Gray, you know, like the characters in football, aye. they've changed a lot, haven't they? Massive, what, what, what do you put that down to? Oh, Change is changing, just changing time. Just the, the game's changed, hasn't it? Yeah. Um, 
characters around in them days probably more so than they are now, I feel. But, I agree. But, you know, um, it's just, you know, you go back to the 70s in, in my era, we're in 2018 now, you know, and it's like next month, it would be 50 years since I signed for Wolves, you know, that's how long ago, is. That's, and that's the change in everything's changed. Uh, and I think it's changed for the better, without question. I mean, the facilities now and the pitches and... Yeah. Uh, the ball zips around a lot quicker. You don't have to go meet it anymore out of the mud. Um, so, and that's at every level now. It's not just in the Premier League. It's, yeah. it's right through to uh, the second division. But those characters, oh, those, characters, those tough characters, do you not think there's a place in the game today for them as well? Oh, absolutely. Of course. Why not? Why shouldn't they? No, I, I, I totally agree. I think yeah. too many times, I think you you want characters to go out there, lead by example. Absolutely. And, well, you, See, I, this is the beauty of it. Right? I was watching. I was watching some um, some old videos yeah. on YouTube this morning to kind and of. They are old, aren't they? Well, I scored some absolute. You did score some unbelievable goals, by the way. But there was one game. Um, I, I can't remember. I think it was against Liverpool, and I, I think it maybe nineteen seventy three. It was a January game because uh, Kevin Keegan scores an, an equaliser in the game, and it made me laugh so much, Lewis. Right? Because I can't. I think it's the Doog. He's running through. He knows through. what's coming, look. No, no, right. The Duke is running through and it, the Liverpool defender literally wraps his arm over his shoulder, has a massive tug back at him, pulls it, he's clean through on goal, pulls him down and the commentator goes, well, that might be a yellow card. And uh, I'm thinking, a yellow card? Well, he was clean it, through it, on it, goal. It, I don't think it was a yellow card. I think it was a booking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now it's a red card. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, it's red and yellow cards now. It used to, before it used to be just a booking now. Yeah. I mean, did you get away with more stuff? Oh, I think so, definitely. I mean, I, there was a time uh, um, at Manchester City, we, uh, I made one strong tackle and the referee, he said, uh, yeah, I'm keeping an eye on you, next one you're in the book. And, of course, five minutes later he got me and I said, all right, you've got me. He said, well, he said, I know your name, but I don't know how to spell it. So I took the pen and put book off him, wrote my name down. I'm going to write Terry, my brother's name. I thought, I better not. I'll get more trouble. <laughs> and uh, wrote my own name in it and passed it back to him and he put it in his pocket and we carried on. It was, just, it was just uh, right. go into a little bit more detail. When you say strong challenge, tell me. No, exactly. no. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I'm thinking. Of. Well, go, well, he he said it was a strong challenge. Right, it was a mistimed challenge. You know? Maybe a mistimed tackle. Uh, I mean, you yeah. got there as soon as you could, basically. Well, well, yeah, I mean, I want the best tackler in this game, that's for sure. I got tackled a lot, but I actually didn't make too many tackles myself. But um, Cause it, Yeah, it, so, you know, they, they, that's different now. It's so different now. Yeah, well, I mean, genuinely looking, because I know there's been a lot of talk recently about the state of kind of football pitches because of what happened at Wembley recently and stuff. And I was yeah. looking at some of the pitches you guys played on, like that Wembley pitch, is an absolute carpet. <laughs> well, the comment last it. night when they were talking to them, I think one of the, uh, one of the players hooked um, it over the bar and they replayed it. And just before he, he, he swung, the, the, he said, oh, oh, that bobbled. Well, bobbled all the time for us. <laughs> you know, you just had to time it. That, that you have to concentrate more on the ball um, than they do now. It just comes zips into you. But last night, there was a, yeah, he, he complained or he moaned about the ball bobbling. I thought, well, in our days, it bobbled all the time. You know, yeah, particularly on the ice and the and the frosty pitches we used to play on. Yeah. You say we say like the game, the pace of the games changed, the shape of footballers have changed. Yeah, how do you think certain players from that era? coming into now would let you say because the ball's lighter the boots are lighter well you the said pitches. that yeah the ball's lighter over the not before the game the ball's still the same way 
He yeah. just doesn't soak the oh, water. The, it moves differently. It's a better ball yes. altogether. He's better made. Uh, he doesn't penetrate the water in there anymore. But what about the player themselves? But the player themselves, I think they could, they would love it. And you look at the players that, like Johnny Curry and Glenn Oddle. Um, a lot of players around there were really good football ball players, yep. and they were doing that in real bad conditions. Imagine now on this condition, exactly. you know. And I talk to them a lot. I meet a lot of these players around, and yeah. we're not saying that we could have done better. I'm not sure, but we would have enjoyed it a bit more playing on the surfaces that they play on now, without a shadow of a doubt. And even the pace, even the pace of the game. Well, it's the ball that's the pace of the game. Yeah. I mean, the ball, the ball is now. You don't. You just look. I mean, they drill the ball. Anybody who's a good striker of the ball. Um, would love playing on the conditions now. And they water the pitch before the game, yeah. they water it at half-time, so the ball skids into you. So there's no excuse for not controlling it, there's no excuse for bubbles and stuff like that, where we, if it rained, it pulls the water all over the place, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the pace has... Uh, yeah, I think they, they, they sharpen the last third, you know, the attacking areas. And I think this is why, you know, we've seen so many great forwards now in the world. They are so quick. Yeah. And, and so lively around the around, around the area last third, the the slow build up is still there, um, more now than it was when we played. We 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 tended to get it forward quicker, got it wider quicker, and we got it in the box quicker. Now it's more yeah. more build up uh, play. Um, but I, I I mean I love watching our present team. Kenny, you take a break, my friend, because they bought you up a coffee. Um, we're going to get going with our Facebook show in just a minute. Okay. One of the things that we're doing for the podcast is it got me thinking because Kenny signed for five thousand pounds in 1968, and it got me thinking of how much <laughs> you would be worth in today's money, in today's transfer market. So we've got a load of messages. Actually, thank you so much for all the messages that have come in on this. Um, we're going to get to them later on in the podcast. But for now, it also got us thinking as to how much Chris Awalamo would be worth <laughs> in today's transfer market. So You're gonna, um, yeah. when you arrived at Wolves, what was your... You were, were you a free I transfer? Came, I think I came in for 400,000. 400,000. I think it was six or 800,000 I went to, to Burnley for. By, by the way, Looms has got someone stirring his tea for him here. <laughs> to be this, fair, is, I've, I've, this is how I've, big time. I've took, I've took a tea, uh, and I don't usually have milk, but I've just uh, yeah, I've just been thrown off by the whole thing. So yeah, thanks, Max. So I can't believe uh, that's our head. Of, that's our <laughs> boss as well. By the way, that's really, our boss really that's stirring it, yeah. your tea for you. Yeah, thank you. Honestly, you've got uh, this is this is how much you're worth these days. You're worth the boss we're coming gonna, in and stirring your find, tea. We're gonna find out in a minute. So basically, um, me and Looms have come up with a figure that we think Looms is going to be worth. Really? So oh, we've we've not discussed this. No, 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 we've not discussed it either. All right, we, all right okay. So so I want you to come up with. Do you want actually? Do you want me to tell you what I think you're worth first? Well, I think I should go first, and then because okay. then because okay, fine. Because pro- if you give me a bit more, I might go a bit closer because I'm. I don't know. I think today you're, but yeah, uh, yeah, but three and a half, three and a three half, and half four million. Yeah. See, how old were you when you came to Wolves? Yeah, I was. I was aged. I was. I was what twenty nine, twenty nine, thirty years old. Twenty nine is like kind of peak, really. Mm, not yeah. You, well, you're at your top level of experience. Well, you're I, not quite tipped I into was, the 30s. I got told I'd only play till I was twenty seven. With it, with the operation that I had at eighteen, it's basically half your career because they just cut a lot of it away. So, yeah. the, the I've retired at thirty six. So, yeah, I think on that knowledge, I came in for a normal medical here. I was four hours later, <laughs> I came out <laughs> signing. So, so it was uh, yeah, I'd say about yeah four four p- 
pushing five, if that, but that's me being very generous to myself. Well, I mean, because we did talk a little bit about he's this not happy. He's not happy, no, is he? No. Because he's he's gave me, you've put me at a good price. I'm, I'm quite, come on then. <laughs> well, <laughs> let, let me just, do, let me Don't just explain. Down. Have you wrote it down? No, no, no. Let me explain my thinking. Let me explain my thinking. Because you, you said to me that when your time at Wolves, which is what we're basing this on, you said this was your peak. My peak, yeah. Your peak. So you were 29. You'd scored, what, 14 goals in the first 12 games or 12 so? 12 games, yeah. Of, in the championship, you were, uh, what, 15 goals for the season because you got injured. Six, yeah, 16. 16 for the season yeah. uh, in all competitions. But you got injured, so you missed a large part of that season. Yeah. So... In modern realms, if you had a player who scored that amount of goals in a championship title winning team, now in 2018, at 29, with the experience you have, I think you would be looking at minimum of £10 million. Pounds. Minimum 10. Well, I'll, yeah, I think you've been very generous. I'll take it. I'll definitely take it. Uh, I look at Brita Sombolonga, went to Middlesbrough for £15 million. Peterborough, I think. Was it eight or nine million the the Peterborough got him for? And I was just thinking, the physicality, the the age of the player, uh, it all comes into it. But yeah, yeah, maybe I've 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 uh, I've downed it a little bit myself. But no, I'd take ten million. Yeah, I know what you mean. I know twenty nine. Those kind of goals. Your level of experience. Yeah. Strikers always cost more money. Ten was in my mind when you first mentioned it. Yeah, I'll take this. Yeah. I mean, I I'd push to (laughs) twelve. I might even push to fourteen. Depending on how long you're going to sign the contract, I know we're ten would be a bargain. Ten would be a bargain. No question. Yeah, about that. strikers need goals. You know, you need goals at any, any club you go to. Uh, they 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 just they're really stock price without question. But I think even then, when you look at at Kenny, then you think about the goals that you scored in midfield as well. Well. We're going to get this to that. Question, We're going to get is... to that later on in the podcast. I want you to have a little think for now, because I know you're going to be modest, Kenny. Anyway, and say that it's not going to be as high a number. But there's a lot of people that have put some some good numbers in there. Okay, you're going to enjoy this later. I'm on. sure I will. Yeah, <laughs> <Just sit back laughs> back and enjoy. Um, you can always get in contact with us. Old Gold Club at wolves.co.uk is our email address. If you have your thoughts on how much Looms is worth in 2018 version, um, how much would you pay for Chris Awelamo? Uh, the, the 2009 vintage Awelamo yeah, okay. arriving that. now. How much would he be worth in today's transfer market? Old Gold Club at wolves.co.uk. We are at Wolves across social media as well. We always have to say a big thank you to Wolverhampton Building Supplies, our sponsor for this podcast, who make it all possible for us to be here and do it. That's who Looms is drinking out of a special cup. Thank you. For men that you might have seen on some of our photos and stuff as well. Um, so yeah send us that keep the nicknames coming as well by the way and some for looms as well because he will feel a little bit left out if they're all about me for the time being <laughs> i'm going to be referred to as digger i quite like that, I like that yeah we'll take that for the time being Definitely. if anyone can beat digger old gold club at wolves.co.uk the show is coming very soon wolverhampton building supplies is a one-stop shop for all your building and diy products Whether you're a professional builder or just looking to put a shelf up at home, they'll supply you with everything you need on time and at the best possible price, and they even do next day delivery. Best of all, their prices include VAT, so there's no awkward surprises at the checkout. 
So contact their dedicated trade counter team either at their yard at 372 Bilston Road, Wolverhampton or online at wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk or just give them a call on 01902 500140. Welcome along to the Old Gold Club. I'm Mikey Burrows alongside me, Chris Awellamo. Our guest this week is a bona fide Hall of Famer. He spent an incredible 16 years at Wolves, amassing 574 appearances, putting him second on the all-time list. He won two League Cups and reached the UEFA Cup final. We are honoured to welcome the great Kenny Hibbert. Brilliant to have you with us. Um, One of the things that we're going to get into, and I know Looms is really keen to talk about, is the longevity. We mentioned it there. 16 years at one football club is a remarkable amount of service. Yeah, well, when you're with a great club, um, you don't really want to move on. Um, I met a local girl in 71, married her in 73, and um, we stayed here up until the last 30 years when I got into management and moved down southwest. The club was a fantastic club, great history, um, great support. I had some fantastic fans <coughs> that, that supported me um, and there was no reason for me to move on. So in that period of time, obviously you, you were performing very well, scoring goals as well. There's got to be interest coming in as well that head turned. Yeah, there was. Uh, there was uh, one Friday after training uh, before we travelled to Ipswich. Bill McGarry, manager, took me into his uh, changing room and said he's had a £100,000 offer for you. I think that was around about the 70, 71, something like that. Just a, I hadn't been in the first team that long. Um, and I said, well, who is it? He said, oh, I can't tell you that. Right. And this is a Friday before a big game. You know, that was on my mind. It played on my mind all night. I didn't sleep any, a, a wink. Um, we got down to Ipswich and some of the lads were saying, look up in the stand. Um, and there was a chairman and a director um, and the manager all together and I had a bloody nightmare. I just couldn't play. I just couldn't concentrate. I couldn't think about the game uh, and I had, I, had, uh, I had a shocker. So, uh, and I blame Bill McGarry for that because he really shouldn't have told me. He should have told me on the Monday after the game yeah. on, on, on the Saturday. It wouldn't happen now. Well, it, it, it kind of happens in a, in a kind of backward kind of way because yeah. it's in the papers, the press, yeah, everyone's yeah. talking about it and mm. still you expect those players to go out and perform. But mm. like you say, you, your manager's pulled you the, the day before, he's told you, you look up in the stand, you know it's there. And it does, it, it mentally affects you, doesn't it? Sometimes well, you couldn't sleep. There's no question about that. Um, normally now they have an agent that, that they go through the agents and, and, um, and then they would tell the player probably after the game or the Monday, uh, which is probably the right way to do it. Uh, and there was time there was um, when we saw Steve Daly to Man City. Um, that Man City was also thinking about signing me as well, um, but that didn't really go on too far, and I wasn't really interested anyway. Um, and that's when we sold Steve to Man City, and uh, we took Andy Gray. But after that, I don't know what happened after that, whether there was any more interest. Uh, if there was, it was quiet. It was kept quiet. But that, that's the only two times in the 16 years I was here um, that other clubs were interested. Would you say back then that there was a lot more loyalty in the game? I know that... and I'm, I'm big, there's, I think a loyalty is a two-way thing, you know, a football club to the player and the player mm. to the club. And I think it's 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 not, not, not great today, you know, at the end of the day. But you stayed at a club for 16 years... It doesn't really happen anymore. No. And when it does, it's, it is a big deal. Mm. Yeah, um, as I said earlier, it, I was just happy where I am, where I was. Um, I don't think there's any need for me. If I'd have been 
in and out the side. Uh, then you obviously look at it, you talk to your yep. wife and discuss it. Um, but I was enjoying myself so much. We had a lot of success in the 70s. The difference now is if a team gets relegated out of the Premier League, you look at the, that some of the players want to move on because of the financial side of things. In 75, when we got relegated, 76, we came straight back. Not one player wanted to leave. I didn't want to leave. We wanted to get the club back to where we, where we wanted to be, yeah. which was in the first division. So nobody wanted to leave. Now you, you get that problem. Managers get that problem. The club gets that problem. We never had. Is never there also had. a thing about the way transfers work? Because nowadays we're in this scenario where every, every, two, every window, mm. every January and every summer... Fans want to see more players arriving and the squad changing. Whereas, I guess from your era, that didn't really happen, did it? No, it, a transfer went through any time of the season or a close season. It was 12 months of the year, I would have thought, yeah. But, but it wasn't as if fans were there kind of going, oh, we need, we want to go out and sign people. You had their heroes. No, there's, uh, well, they did have the heroes. Uh, heroes and, uh, but, um, you know, every fan wants to see a successful team and we were quite successful in them days. Um, the manager would, would bring one player in or just to strengthen the, the squad up. Um, but now the transfer window is, you've got to do it in, in, in August uh, or July, and you've got to do it again in January. Um, so there's a feeling of that if your team's not doing so well, the fans want at least three or four new players coming in all at once, just, just to give yourself a, a bit of a boost. It's completely changed around now. It's, um, Do you prefer it? Do you think it's for, with the window being that like the, the summer in January or all season through? I, I Who benefits from what? Yeah, it's a good question. But I, I, I feel that um, I think it should be open. I agree. I think, I, I think there the shouldn't be a month to do it here and a month to do it there. I think it gets clubs into a lot of problems by... Um, probably signing players that didn't really yeah, panic base. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But then and, you and have, money, you know. But then you have that scenario where you get told the night before a game that someone's coming in to try well, and buy you. Well, that was a one-off. I, I would have thought, um, and it was a shock to me. Uh, you know, I was only like twenty years of age, and um, I just I didn't at the time feel it was the wrong time to ask me or to tell me. It was just that it was on my plate, on my mind, where I couldn't sleep at night that night, and um, and the concentration levels was was low, and just wondering who it might be. You just where am I going? I don't want to go, you know. I was I was very very happy at this club. You made your debut uh, against West Brom, mm. coming off the bench as a as a youngster. It yeah. gave you a little bit of a, a taste for it, but then you had a period that you you were taken back. Having that little taste, how how was that period? Because obviously you want to get back in again and, and, and playing and showing the manager what you're all about. Absolutely. Well, I was doing reasonably well in the reserves uh, with a lot of the other youngsters. We had a big squad of players. We had about 40 professionals here at the yeah. time. And I'd come from Bradford with only 15 or 16 professionals. And then you walk in to this big club um, and there was more than there was 20 in the bottom dressing room and 20 in the top dressing room. So you had to work yourself up to the top dressing room. But I played a lot of reserve games and I was doing quite well. I thought we were doing well. The manager kept... Um, kept me out of it actually and then one day he came on the Friday and said you're in the squad for tomorrow against West Brom and it must have been like have a taste have a feel get the get the feel of the, the atmosphere in the ground and I went on in the last 10-15 minutes um, and it was a real feeling great feeling and, yeah. and I wanted more of it but it was, a, it was it just left me out again until I made my debut the following year at Chelsea So how, how was that though that obviously that's a test of character as well because some players they completely 
they can lose themselves in that yeah, and the head yeah. goes but you he gave you that taste you loved every minute of it but it was the following year yeah. that you got thrown in and then you never looked back patience uh, or, or very I'm a dedication patient, I'm as a well guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm a patient guy and uh, so I, I had a taste of it and I wanted more of it um, but I just had to be patient uh, and the manager you know and the coach Sammy Chung uh, and said your chance, your chance will come so there was dialogue between you all talk- not not to there was dialogue but not not too often because you did very rarely you, that Bill yeah. Gary spoke to you I mean in the in all the years I, I think seven years with him he only said well done to me once really mm. That that you just put his yeah we played Exeter in in an afternoon because there was electricity shortage or something powered, and we played Exeter in the cup here and we weren't playing very well and it was nil nil I just scored just last minute of uh, the first half, so it took a little bit of pressure off him the fans were having, there were only about three and a half thousand here because it was an afternoon kickoff, and he came out there because he, as a manager then days you think you sat in the stand in the director's box. Then he worked his way down down the tunnel, and I worked my way up the tunnel. And just as I entered the dressing room, he came in at the side of me and said, "Well done, son." And I nearly fell over <laughs> because he wasn't a guy that, that encouraged you and told you how good you played or how well you played or nothing. You just waited for the Friday or, or the Thursday when you when you had your um, training sessions, set piece, and that you had an idea that you were going to be in the squad. Um, but that's how that's how Bill was. And then he gave me the opportunity at Chelsea when it came. So I was patient, yeah. Because he was a guy, obviously, one of the things, one of the main things, obviously, we want to talk about is your era is that is the real glory days from this kind of, we were talking about it earlier in that, you know, there's for certain fans of certain vintages, yeah. the, like our great old friend sadly departed now, Foz, John Foz Henley, you know, he always used to talk about the fact that when he came into it, he kind of just missed the 50s. So it was that 60s into the 70s. That's, that's a good 20, mm. 30 years of wall-to-wall success. Mm. And for that period in that early part of the 70s when you were there, when he was your manager, that is an incredible period a team that built up that got to what the Texaco Cup, the League Cup, the UEFA Cup, fourth place finish in the top division. Mm. What was it about Bill McGarry that took the team to that kind of level? Well, we talk about it quite a lot, the ex-players, and we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, he was a he was a hard man. He was uh, he wasn't well liked by a lot of the senior players, but he was well respected particularly from the younger players like Alan Sunderland, Jeff Palmer, Steve Daly, myself, John Richards. Um, we respected him, but he was hard with us. He was harder with us than he was with the senior players. But the, the, some of the senior players... Um, but we still went out there as a team, as a unit. Uh, and the camaraderie and the team spirit in the dressing room was, was first class. And that goes a long way. Whether you like the manager or not, <laughs> you still have to go out there and play and perform. And when you walked out with the ball here uh, and the fans, they're just... You were a Wolves player and you'd never even thought about the manager. You, you just try to follow the orders he gave you on set pieces and free kicks and corners and stuff like that. But, um, but he's, he was well respected. You're a, you were a footballer. You're a born winner. Mm. You know you don't have to like the boss. No. Nope. But you, you respect him for, for what he does. He, as hard as he wants to be or as nice as he wants to be, you go out there to win. And I think a lot of teams are getting questioned today and players are getting questioned today that if they don't have that relationship, that it's so important that they still don't go out there 
And when what's your what's your thoughts on that as a as a professional footballer? I, I think even even in training, I've seen fights happen yeah, in training yeah, yeah, just because yeah. you, you want you win. Yeah, but yeah. then after training, it's it's all it's all, over. it's all over and done with. Yeah, yeah, we we had a few scuffles in. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure you did. Uh, in our time, you know, I tried to break one up on the on the coach, and I got injured. I smacked my head on the top of the uh, the coach where you put your your racket. You're on the rack. Yeah. Tried to break a, a little scrap up there. I thought I'll never do that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, no, you're quite right. I mean, it does annoy me at times when players uh, fall out with the manager and they go out there miserable and head down, shaking their heads and feeling sorry for themselves. You're getting paid to play on a Saturday. You're not getting paid from, from Monday to Friday. You get paid on a Saturday. That's when you work. That's where your job is. That's where people come to watch you play. It's like go, uh, somebody on stage, you go into performance um, and you pay t- you, your money. And if they don't perform, you expect to get a bit yeah. of criticism for it. But Saturday is, is what matters. You know, three o'clock to quarter five, you know, old, old in the old days, it could be any time now. Um, but that's how it was, you know. And as long as you're working hard, the fans will accept that. And that's what my dad always said to me. Work hard, listen and work hard. And that's all I ever tried to do. Whether I was in a different or a bad performance, indifferent performance, the fans always used to see, see me with sweat on my shirt. Yeah, and one of the best since I'm, since I've been, you know, this this summer I've been very busy talking to a lot, a lot of fans, and one one fella said it was the best quote I've ever heard in my life, and it brought tears to my eyes. Uh, this son said, "Why is Kelly a bit shirt all wet, all dark coloured?" And he said, "That's hundred and ten percent. That's called that's called hundred and ten percent." So I, I I was so humble when he told me. I, I yeah. just I just filled up. Yeah. Um, but that's what I and now I see players going out there and going back to the original question. Um, it does annoy me that because you don't like a manager, you mean say you got got you got work, you got yeah. to work on a Saturday. You know what I mean? You look at we've had experience, we've had. Yeah. Um, but I see that a lot in the Premier League in particular. Was there a different aura around the football club then, though? Because uh, I say when you arrived. The, the club is still kind of in that period of, of really being a, a top-level name, of playing European football, and, and you go on to play European football. What we were, me and Loomis were talking about earlier is that, depending on your generation, you will have different views of what the football club yeah. is. So for my generation, it's kind of that out of the bowels of what happened in the late 80s and, and kind of scrapping, but being around that level of, of second division from your point of view. Yeah. When you arrived here... Must have been very different. Oh, it was coming from Bradford, without question. I mean, I, I made my debut for Wolves Reserves uh, at Old Trafford. You know, and with all due respect, I was playing at Rochdale, Halifax, places like that. So now I've come to Old Trafford in 1968. Uh, they won the European Cup, United. And of course, my boyhood um, player, my favourite player, was Bobby Charlton. So I'm now on the, on the pitch uh, of playing on the same pitch as, as my boyhood idol in Bobby Charlton. And they've just won the European Cup against Benfica in the 68. So I've gone from there to there. This was uh, a massive club. I, I mean, I have to say I was frightened to start with. I was only 17 um, and I'd lost my father just at 16. And so I got really... My brother was at Leeds and it was Don Raver that told him that I should, when Wolves came in for me, should go because I was tempted to stay, stay at home. And I'm glad I, I came. Uh, I got on the train and uh, every time it stopped, I wanted to get off and go home. <laughs> but he kept going, I kept going. And I think that was my dad. And then I ended up playing at Old Trafford and I come here. And this is just 
uh, it was a life I never thought, I never dreamt of. I always dreamed of it, but never, never dreamt it would happen. So you're saying they're coming across in the train, you're thinking every stop, I'll just go off. But how long till you felt at home? It was a long time. I was in digs um, at Castlecroft for a few with Mr and Mrs Crean. They were fantastic. They, they looked after me like their own, their own son. It was to be in two or three years. There was a time when I had a cartilage like yourself. I had an injury early on in your yep. career. I was 19. I did my cartilage in them days. Um, it was like a, it was a threatening Yeah, they just cut, uh, it, off, cut it away. Yeah, yeah. 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 Took the all out. Yeah. Um, and I, I was back playing in six weeks, so I was quite lucky and fortunate in that. But there was a time when I wasn't getting the opportunity before the West Brom where you told me about, um, or you asked me. Uh, I, I, I felt like going. I felt like packing it in. Because I just felt I wasn't getting an opportunity like one or two of the other boys in the in the reserves, but I kept going. I kept working hard. So was there anyone that you leaned on at that period, or was it just you yourself saying that I've got, I've got to stick it in here? Me, it was myself. Yeah. Well, I'd, I'd got really no one to speak to. Uh, right. My dad wasn't there. My brother was in Leeds. So I was. I thought no. I'm I'm going to I'm going to see this through. It, I was determined. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they and it. Fortunately, it, uh, it it turned my way, and I got that opportunity, and I scored on my debut at Chelsea, and that was it. That was it. Brilliant. So you know, it can just change um, very quickly. So all these youngsters out there listening, you know, you just got to keep, keep going. going. Yeah. Do you think a lot of that group had the similar attitude, and that's why you yeah. were the success that you were? Yeah. I mean, John Richards came not long after me um, from Warrington. I uh, played on the right wing in our reserves to start with, uh, but he worked his socks off. And he was one of the best strikers this club's ever seen. Uh, Stevie Daly, John, uh, Jeff Palmer, uh, Alan Sunderland, all great young lads who came through together. Um, Stevie Daly was an outstanding player, would have been... It was a bad move for him in the end, but, but I, I would like to... I mean, I played in midfield with him and Willie Carr, um, and that, that, that trio was something special, I felt. Okay, so one of the things I really wanted to talk to you about was the UEFA Cup run. <laughs> uh, because people associate Wolves, Wolverhampton Wanderers, the 50s, those great floodlit oh, yeah. games that led the way for European football. You're quite right as well. Yeah, but your year doesn't get talked about as much, I think, certainly for people of my generation. And yet, looking back through it over the last couple of days, I mean, Juventus. Mm. The mighty Juventus and Ferenc Baros in the mm. semi-final because I think was it your corner that led to possibly one of the key goals? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> modestly not possibly. remembering it, but I mean that these are some monumental names that Wolves were coming up against. Well, uh, Juventus, um, there was World Cup players in there, um, and I remember going over that first leg was in in Turin, and John, the great John Charles. He was our guide. He, he took us around. He was an absolute legend over there. I mean, you talk about legends, this guy was like the Pope. I mean, they, they, he was, <laughs> they just bowed to him. Every, he took us in shops to buy some Italian shoes, you know, Italian leather shoes. Um, and he, they just bowed to him. And he took us around and we had a great, great time with, 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 with him. Uh, and he did say to us, he said, you get a result here, half the team won't come over to England. And we got a draw. And half the team didn't come over. And we beat him here at Molyneux. And um, we're not... To beat Juventus in them days was just as good as it is now. Uh, there was Anastasi was playing up front. I mean, and even the old England manager was, was playing at full-back. Uh, and I can't <coughs> remember what his name is now. Was it Capello? 
Fabio Capello. Ah, and, <laughs> uh, and he played. He played that day here, but we beat them. Uh, yeah, it, it was a it's a fantastic venture for for particularly the younger ones. You know, um, we were playing behind the Iron Curtain. We was, I mean, when I was a kid, the farthest I went was Blackpool and Morecambe on a day out. But you come here and you suddenly you're playing in Europe and you're flying all over the place. It was just a dream, you know. And it's it's like it happened yesterday. Uh, so long ago, but it still feels getting goose pimples now. <laughs> you know, where, you know, travelling and, and beating these times, we beat everybody. It'd be all the foreign teams, and they get beat to bloody Tottenham in the final. Oh, we beat AC Milan. I think it was Milan that beat there. Yeah. I think if Milan had beat them, uh, we'd have beat Milan in the final. Yeah, but that was a two-legged one. But yeah, I mean, it was a, it was a fantastic period for us. So on, on the on the spin of that, you know, relegation. You said that the, the, the group stayed yeah. together because they wanted to get back. Relegation again. Time comes for you to move on. Had the club prepared for for what came after? They weren't prepared. I felt that. Um, I felt that when we got when we came back in seventy five seventy six, but in that later period, uh, we won the league cup again in eighty. Yep. That's when it all went sour in eighty one eighty two. We got we came back in eighty two. Mm. But after that, um, we should have been making, or the management should have been making changes on the field of play as much as anywhere else. And we allowed us all to get older together and we should have been replaced. And that, you that included you feel, me. You feel that yourself? Oh, yeah. Even though the group oh, no, was I'd... as strong as that and the characters and played the way that they did, you felt that we were getting old. youth should have yeah. been getting... I think they, they tried to do that and it didn't, it didn't work very well. Uh, but yeah, I definitely feel that, yeah. And that included me. And I did say at the time in the paper, look, it, we need change, even if it includes me. Um, the club will always be there. The fans will always be there, but yeah. players move on. And it was a time that changes should have been made in them days, yeah, around that period. And we got relegated uh, the following season, 83, and then it just went pear shape. And in 84, I left, and um, financially, the club was in dire straits. I never thought I'd see... Uh, the change so so rapidly, so quickly, uh, uh, the way it happened, you know. Was that quite hard for Very you difficult. and for a lot of the players of that oh, era yeah, to yeah. take? Oh, yeah. Um, we still talk about it now a lot, but I went to Coventry City and I had I had a really good two years at Coventry. Uh, they were great with me, great lads there, played with some really good players. Um, but it all back in my mind was what was happening here at Molyneux. Uh, and then they went down to three, Division four. And we've had 55,000 with 10,000 locked out here. There were 3,000 people. The fans was just had enough. Uh, and I, I don't blame them for not, for not coming, but um, it needed somebody grabbing hold of it quickly, shaking it, uh, and, and, and start moving back to where we belonged, you know. But it took a long time to get there. Yeah, and it didn't take long enough at all, did it, to go... Oh, it doesn't. It takes a long time to build anything up, but it don't take a, you don't it don't take a quarter of the time for it to collapse. And that's why you have to be on your toes all the time. And as a player, um, you have to work harder every day to to retain your place in the in the in the first team because there's always somebody behind you ready to take your shirt. Kenny, we're going to talk a lot more about that on our podcast extra, and also I want to delve into a little bit more about certainly the 1980 League Cup thing because mm. it's, it's a remarkable thing when you look at who you were playing against in that game. Um, we do this thing called the rundown where we kind of run through um, 
some kind of fairly quick questions. They're supposed to be quick fire, but it never it's happens. Okay. And <laughs> Looms takes the mickey out of me for it. Um, no problem. I'm going to ask you a question that I know you're not actually going to answer fully. <clears throat> Who was the best player that you played with at Wolves? Every player I played with at Wolves. All right. Uh, worst trainer at the club? Worst trainer? <laughs> there were two or three. <laughs> Phil Parks, Frank Munro, Dave Wagstaff. They're the three. They're the three degrees. I think they all there was a nightmare. See, I love the fact that you won't say want the who the best player was, but no. the worst trainer suddenly <laughs> yeah. under the bus. Well, that, that's, that's easier. That's easier. <laughs> but let's not forget. I mean, every player you play with out there is there to help you, and I'm there to help them. And yeah. um, so you could name. I could name a lot, a lot of players that I enjoy, but that I, I, it's not in my nature to say that that every player I play with at Wolves would put the shirt on they went out there in the team that I played with helped me perform so yeah okay this is an easier one who was the biggest moaner ah <laughs> what's to get a little mirror? I, I'm little not mirror. I, yeah. I'm not I'm not far off of one I'm not far off of that one <laughs> excuse me I'm not far off that one but um there's quite a few of us, I think, uh, more so on and training rather than on the field. We 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 helped each other out there, um, but on the on the training ground there was there was several. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your best friend in football? Poof. I've got a lot of good friends in football. Uh, I, I've played with a lot of them. You know? yep. John Rich is, is uh, obviously a very close friend of mine. Um, Willie Carr is a very close friend of mine. Stevie Daly, you know, I do a lot of Q and A's with Stevie, so. You've got to, I've got to put him up there. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, Steve, uh, you know. I, mean, I thought he could have been in Biggest Moaner, to be fair. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't, actually. He was all right. Uh, Phil Parts, great guy, you know. Jeff Palmer. I can, I, yeah, I can go on yeah. and on and on. Yeah. Um, the best and worst dress sense. <laughs> oh, my word. John Burridge, probably. What was it about him? Well, he couldn't, he couldn't work in anything, a skirt, if he, if he could. <laughs> uh, you know, we all, we all came, you know, reasonably dressed smart, you know, collar and tie in them days. And, uh, but um, I think Budgie was a little bit different to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the funniest player you played with? Oh, well, Stevie Daly. Yeah, I knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he used to drive me potty. He used to be in the dressing room, and I'd be sat in the corner. Like, you know, you've been there in your dressing room. You build up before the game, before the bell goes at five to three. And I'm looking at, uh, I'm not reading the programme, I'm actually just looking at it, see, looking straight through it, uh, just thinking about the game and what I'd do if I was in that position and this, who I'm going to be marking and picking up. Stevie being the centre of the dressing room, giving all this, you know, and you just tell him, you just tell him to shut up, you know. <laughs> so I knew we were going to be an after dinner speaker afterwards, but but that's the way he was yes. before again. That's his dirt. Everyone's, yeah, everyone's, everyone's different, yeah. Um, and Waggy used to have a little fag at five to three. <laughs> <laughs> one match, one fag in his hand into the dressing room, into the uh, toilets, and have a little quick puff before it went. Down. Uh, best manager that you played for? Well, uh, um, I respected Bill McGarry. Uh, he gave me my opportunity, uh, and he, he gave several youngsters their opportunities. But you learn from different ones. And I thought the, the best man manager um, was Ian Greaves in the short period he came to try and keep us up. Uh, I thought he was outstanding. He was fantastic. We had him for about three and a half months, but he was a fantastic, uh, yeah, 
man manager. This is going to be difficult as uh, watching all your goals. What was your best goal? The best goal you scored? Important goal. Whatever, most, whatever it means to you, the, the most best. important goal. Few. The most important, yeah. Well, the, the most important goal was obviously the cup final in '74, just before half time, 43rd yeah. minute. Remember that one. Um, but uh, a special one uh, was probably chipping Pat Jennings in the FA Cup down at Arsenal, and also the fourth goal I got here against Newcastle when we beat them four two, and my brother played, so that was good. <laughs> there's <laughs> several. I mean, I could. Yeah, go there's on. a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the best game that you were involved in? Best game. Ah, oh, there's several. I think the two foot cup finals and the UEFA cup final are the three games that stick out um, because they were so important to the club and to the fans. Um, you can pick the Newcastle one uh, where where we won four and got all four goals. Um, there's several, but. Hard I to just pick loved one of five no, uh, yeah, well probably the seventy four <laughs> League Cup final um, was first time I ever played there and um, I've seen my name up in lights was my yeah. mother never saw yeah. the second half she her eyes up full of <laughs> yeah. tears all she yeah. said Kenneth I never saw I said don't call me Kenneth you only call me that when I'm naughty <laughs> yeah. uh, she said I didn't see the second yeah. half my eyes were filled up just thinking that your dad. Would have loved to see you there, you know. Because Terry in in 74, my brother played for Newcastle in the cup final, FA Cup final against Liverpool. But they got battered three now. But that was a great time, yeah, great game. This question probably aligns with that. What's your proudest moment uh, with Wolves? Yeah, it's got to be that. Yeah. Going up the steps, um, picking the trophy up and uh, running around the stadium, showing it to the fans, yeah. I still got a scarf that somebody threw over over onto the pitch. um, But that that was... yeah, biggest thrill, biggest thrill that was. Never thought it'd happen. Cause giving me kid, goose, you're giving me goosebumps here. I know, just I know, to. But as a kid, you always want to play at Wembley in a cup yeah. final, don't you? and I thought I'd never get there. Um, I went to the League Cup, uh, the FA Cup final in 1968 uh, uh, when West Brom beat Everton one night when Jeff Hassel scored. I was there for that game. And I went in 71, 70, 71 when Leeds played Chelsea uh, just after the horse show and the yeah. pitch was like deep in mud. And that was 2-2. And then... Two years later, I'm there. So it was just crazy. Uh, it was an amazing feeling. Kenny, there is so much more to talk to you about. We'll continue this on our podcast, which, of course, is available to download from iTunes and Spotify. We should mention that Kenny has a book out, Seasons of My Life, that you've done with Tim Nash as well, forward by John Richards. We'll talk a bit about that in the podcast extra as well. Thanks for watching. The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies. For the best price locally, head to wolverhamptonbuildingsupplies.co.uk. So that was the show. Um, On with the podcast. Thank you. I want to talk about the... Because you mentioned the 1974 game, but the 1980 League Cup final. Because... When you look back through the history books and people say, oh, you know, they beat Nottingham Forest and stuff, and that's fine. And people will, again, for people of my generation, mm. you look at Nottingham Forest and you see them as a team that have gone between Championship and League One and that kind of stuff. But the Nottingham Forest that you played was the Brian Clough European middle champions. European champions yeah. on their way to winning yeah. European Cup again. That's why we're the underdogs. We were the underdogs that game, day, and we were the underdogs against Man City in 74. But that, that game... Um, we had somebody who who really got us wound up, and well, there were two player players, 
uh, and one was Emily News, who um, took over my captaincy, which helped me then concentrate more on my game. And he was a great leader. And Andy Gray. Andy was... Um, I'm glad he was always in our dressing room and not the opposition, <laughs> put it that way. Uh, he, he, he's a big friend of mine, and... Um, we got on really, really well until one day we were in training and I nutmegged him and I laughed. Worst thing I could have done. <laughs> he wants to knock my head off. And like you said, afterwards, you forget it, in training, yeah. these things happen. Uh, and we did. And after we finished, the final whistle went, like that, let's have a shower and have a bath. And he came round, put his arm round me. He said, come on, Ibi, let's go for a drink. I said, you can get to. I said, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not going with you. So and so, you know. But um, he, he, that, he was infectious in the dressing room and he picked everybody up, particularly on that day. Um, and he still tells me now he read that, that you know the ball that went over and Needham and and Shilton collided. He said he read it. I said yeah, I know. <laughs> but he was a leader. He was a leader of our our, our of the dressing room. There's no question about that. And, and Emily News, who's never won the League Cup with Liverpool, he won everything else, uh, but never won the League Cup. And he came here and, and led us to uh, to another um, victory. But but there there were two players in the dressing room really got us wound up and ready for it for the battle they had some great players I mean if you look at the video and I look at it I cringe sometimes because they battered us in many ways but we, we our defence was superb our defence stood together My, you know we had we had uh, Emily News at the back organising everything and uh, we, we actually they, they they moved me from outside right of the mid three midfield three and they put me to the central midfield and we brought Peter Daniel out to the right because of Robertson, who was a terrific player. Um, he had more pace than... Well, he didn't have the real pace, but he had that knack of going past somebody so quickly and easy. Yeah. And Jeff Palmer. So rather than me yeah. having that problem, which I was quite thrilled about, I went into the centre and Pete came on the outside. And uh, so with him and Jeff Palmer, we nullified um, yeah. their strength. And um, and that's where our goal came from, actually, when Peter Danley hit a 35, 40-yard ball over the top. So the tactics that, that we had, the, the, the move of changing us round, worked absolutely really well. Is that a decision as well that's made by yourself as players? Like I, I know that like, you just loved everything about the game. You know, you said earlier about uh, players should always want to improve and be better. If you think you're good enough, then that's when you fall short. Like you'd 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 finish training. Where would you go after training to go and speak to someone about football? With all the lads, we get the lads who do it. We, we the, the gymnasium here, which was where the social club was. We come back, get changed, go in there and have a, a pint of orange or squash and that, and just sit talking football. But yourself as well, go round to the sports shop and and talk. Oh yeah, because that's Jimmy what it is. You, 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 oh. you want to learn all the time, don't you? Because you want to improve. You should never, you never stop learning. I mean, I'm still watching football now, and I'm 67, and I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still learning, and think, why, why I should have been able to do, been able to do that, or why didn't I think of that in them days, you know? But um, yeah, I went round to Jimmy Mullins every Friday. He had a sports shop in Wolverhampton. I used to yeah. go and spend a lot of time with him, just getting a feeling of of, of his feelings of of how it should, how, how you prepare, and yeah, you have to prepare properly. There's no question about that. Because out there on the field, you were playing against someone. I mean, when I played against my brother, it was him against me because he was the left side at Liverpool, uh, Newcastle and I was right side at Wolves. So we always sort of... And I thought, well, he's not going to get the better of me. And he felt the same as well. But when we kicked each other, we had the feeling of it. Of course you do. But it wasn't about that. It was about performing for your team, playing yeah. Yeah. and winning the game. 
And um, fortunately, I got the more upper hand on, on Terry than he did on me. <laughs> so do you think more nowadays that young players, I guess players at any age they're playing, should speak, should seek out absolutely. former players? Absolutely. You, you, as I say, you, you can't stop learning. Uh, it's a trade, you know, and, and, and the more you learn, the more you fill yourself with, um, then the better you'll perform. And, and I and I feel that a lot of players should spend time with um, players like like Jimmy Mullen or Johnny Hancock or, or Broadbent and you know all the Billy Wrights and that you know just spend ten minutes with them and it's quite amazing what what comes out uh, and and if you can't pick anything thing up from people like that you're never going to listen and pick anything from anybody. It's important, you know, when young players do come through that they want to learn, but I think there's a it's a different breed of footballers coming through today. You know, like yeah. I've been there where you go into a dressing room, me as a young pro, and someone does take you under the wing. They, they try and help you because they, they, they know that you want to learn. But there's a certain ego that's that comes in now, a, a player that's that's not played yeah. a, a game of football. They're earning a lot of money. And it's, I, I guess the priorities kind of yeah. lie a little bit well, different. Well, yeah, I mean, you're a lot younger than I am. And you've seen, you know probably the bigger change than I have yeah. um, because I mean I've managed I've managed for 10 years and and youngsters that I had are, um, you know they were willing to learn because I spent time with them like we're talking about it now over the time I used to bring them in the office and spend an half an hour to an hour with them not about bragging about what I did it was what not what I did it was how I approached things approached them, yeah. and and um, and that was a great help to them I think I hope it was whether they're nodding on stuff like that, I don't know. They took it on, but I think they took it on board, and I think that's important that that the players, the senior players in particular, put your arm around and bring them to the side and say, "Look, you can do this better. You can do work on this, work on that." I never stopped working on striking the football, left foot, right foot. Mm. I remember having uh, Tim Flowers, a goalkeeper. He was here as a youngster, and I got him in corners because he wasn't the greatest striker of the ball. And I worked with him as a player. This is I'm a senior player. And I used to tell him to strike the ball into the side netting. Drill the ball into the side netting. Drill it into the... When you're taking a goal kick, you're drilling it out to the wide man or you're drilling it into the front man, you know? And he, he became one of the best strikers of a football uh, as a goalkeeper. So you never stop. And, I, and he wasn't the best. So you spend time with these players, you know? You, you and he listened and took it on board yeah. as well. You mentioned that you went on to become a manager. Mm. And obviously doing your coaching stuff, and you were clearly thinking about that at the time when you were still here as yep. a player. Why did you never do that here? What, manage here? Yeah, manage or coach. I always wanted to come back here somewhere along the line. The Wolves is, is in here, and it still is. I, know. I came here as a 17-year-old, and now it's like 50 years next month I've signed here. And the feeling is still the same. Still feeling is still the same. There was an opportunity when I was managing Walsall. I was doing particularly well. I got him into a playoff position. And it was a time when um, Graham Taylor came in, but Graham had actually rang me and asked me if I'd be interested in coming with him to Wolves as assistant manager. And of course, I was uh, I was staying in a hotel uh, just outside Walsall because I was travelling north to watch players, so I stayed in that, and that's when he rang me. And um, he said, "Well, look, let, when they get the job, he said, um, let me get my feet under the table, and I'll come and get you." So I said, "Okay, Graham, that'll be fine." And um, put the phone down, and okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you know. Um, but he got the job, and uh, then he rang me at the club saying I won't be bringing you in. So that was the biggest disappointment, one of the biggest disappointments I've ever had, really. 
Man, it's, been, man it's, it's changed very much mm. today, isn't it? You know, it's. I wish it's, he hadn't rang me though. I, I, I just wish he hadn't rang in the first place. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I can I can understand the disappointment, but as a manager, you know, I think back then you basically just had to concentrate on the players and getting the result, or did you oh, still yes. have to deal with the politics above? Oh, no, no, I I still I still it didn't affect me with my manager's job. It didn't affect me with my players, and we still. I had to get on with what my job we had to do, and that well, yeah. I maintain that that it never interfered with with my my work. It was obviously in here, but I never I it never interfered with my job at uh, at Walsall. Yeah. They were a great little club. I loved it. I loved four years. four years I had there. Yeah, fantastic. The fans were brilliant. They were really good. I know there's a lot of that in the book, as we mentioned, seasons of my life. And mm. um, we were kind of talking about earlier. At what point do you get to when you go? I, I want to do a book. I want to put everything down, my memoirs. Right. I was approached uh, when I was managing Walsall in 1990. And um, I said, no, I'm not interested. And then five years ago, I was approached again by the same guy, Chris Smith. And um, then I've got grandchildren. So suddenly I'm now thinking, I want my grandchildren to read what their granddad did. And I want their children to see what their great granddad did. Yeah. Because I didn't know my grandparents. I knew my grandmothers, but didn't know anything about my granddads. And I still don't know anything about my granddads. So now my grandchildren are around me and we're having Christmases and I'm thinking I need to write something for them to read about what their granddad's done and their children's great-granddad has done. And that's what changed my mind. Um, and I had a discussion with my wife and we said that'd be a great thing to do. So she's named Seasons of My Life. She's put yeah. that picture on the front. <laughs> and she's put all the pictures in there. And she's worked really hard with Tim, organised. I've wrote it everything. And they've put it down and, and oh, so you tidied it all up. It wasn't like you just had a conversation <laughs> and told her some stories. You wanted to be fully part of it. Four years it took. I was in my office. Mrs. kept pushing me in the office. You know? <laughs> and uh, and there were, in my playing days, there was a young girl called Karen. And, and she, I used to be her favourite player. And she's had this memorabilia stuff, uh, books and books. And, and, and um, she gave me all when I, left, when I left the club. She'd give me all. And I've used that, and it, which enabled me to put it all together. Yeah. And, of course, the internet helps as well, to getting the dates right. Yeah. Um, but Tim has worked tremendously hard on that. Because what is it like having to then think about your life? Going because you say you're going back fifty years of wars. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. To to start thinking through to, things. I've like tried that. to condense it in, in you know. Um, there's a lot of things I do Q and A's and there's a lot of things that keep coming up. And Tim sat there and he said, "You never told me that." <laughs> yeah. And then we go on it. You never told me that. And he said, "Let's write another." I said, "No way." <laughs> there's enough in there. And um, but it, it, it's been hard. It's been, you know. Um, Enjoyable, um, and I like the end product. Um, and and I've had a, the the feedback has been amazing. One guy's read it. He said, "I'm going to read it again on Monday." You know, he said it was he enjoyed it so much. He's going to read it again. He's going to go Brilliant. through it all again. So that speaks volumes for me. You said uh, about today's wolves how how they play that you just love it. Oh, tell, yeah. us a, tell us a little bit more about that. I love I mean, I, I've, I've seen the last three games. Um, I beg your pardon, I didn't see the, the Watford game, but I, I saw the Southampton and I've seen the Burnley game and, and I've seen them on the box, obviously. And I love the way they play. I, 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 the solid from, the, from number one to number 11, as we used to say, 
I mean, they're not number 11 anymore, but right throughout the team, it's lovely to see our, 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 our British players doing well amongst some very, very, very top-class players, uh, foreign players. So the balance is good. Um, yeah. There's obviously a lot of talk at the minute about goal scorers. Might make a comeback, mate. Uh, but they they he's do not. they do <laughs> they are creating they they look so comfortable I mean they battered Brighton uh, and yeah. got beat they battered Leicester <clears throat> and got beat um, they were a bit indifferent uh, I think against Southampton but they got the they got the first goal and then it was all Wolves after that I love watching them play because they look comfortable and I'm sitting there thinking we're going to win this we're not thinking. Ooh. Are we going to? Are we going to win it? We, I'm thinking we are going to win it. The positive is is fantastic all around all around the ground. I mean, I did a I did a Q and A or a sign book signing in town. It's liveliest town I've ever seen. It's livelier now than it was in my time. Really? Mm. Because they're so passionate. I mean, they're passionate in my day. Don't worry about. It. But they, a lot of people went to work and they, they just look forward to Saturday. Now they're all involved with social media and what's going on with yeah. the club and Premier League. It's all like massive stuff now. But up in Wolverhampton, Yellowshire, everywhere, every every street you went down, it was just. And I said to Willie Carr, I was with Willie, and we sat down here, and uh, I said, "Have you ever?" He said, "No, I've never come across anything like this. It's just." atmosphere uh, it's just buzzing it's just really buzzing and it's about time and the older generation like you were talking about in my in yeah. my era the older generation have only seen it that, that the 50s and 60s and 70s they're going to see it again where the younger generation like yourself haven't seen that you are going to see it well this is the thing because I'm saying you know if you imagine if you're 18 years old yeah. coming to the games now yeah yeah you're, oh. when you first really got into football it was Loomis's team mm. that kind of got you into it and got the Premier League. Yeah. But you've only ever known <clears throat> that, you know, of, yeah. of being around uh, Absolutely. It. Exactly. And it's hard to, you know, it's all right keep showing videos and all that. And, um, but they want to see it. They want to feel it, you know. And, um, and I think the special times ahead of us. And we've got fantastic owners. Uh, we've got a great manager. We've got a good squad of players. We've got a good coaching staff. The facilities are superb. Uh, the training facilities are... I haven't seen it, but a couple of my mates have been down there and told me it's just... The pitch is the same as this. Yeah. I was up here uh, in WV1 two weeks ago and all the, all the eatings on on the pitch. You know, I'm just looking at it now. Um, never seen that before because uh, you, you didn't want to dry the mud up. Now this is it. I mean, this is it. I mean, the younger generation, are gonna, they're, they're going to see something special in the next five to ten years. Because I think the, the, the people that, that we have uh, looking after us, this club, um, they mean business and they're showing that. Um, I'm going to embarrass you by reading <laughs> out some of these messages. We were talking at the start of the podcast about how much you would be worth today. Um, some unbelievable messages that have come in. Paul says, Kenny Hibbert was part of the first Wolves team I remember watching as a young boy in the early 1980s. He was also the captain when I was a mascot of Molyneux against Cambridge in 1983. As a player, I remember him being someone who never stopped running and never stopped working, but he also possessed such great ability with both feet and could strike a ball with superb 
accuracy. He must be up there as one of the best bargains Wolves have ever picked up. Today, he'd surely command a transfer fee of at least 15 million, if not much more. Nigel Allport said, I remember when he signed because I had to look up who Bradford PA were, as I'd never heard of them. I remember the absolute joy of his goal at Wembley in 74. And I remember being on the North Bank thinking I'd seen something world class when he scored four against Newcastle and your brother was in that team. Manchester Wolves says, I ask him about the cracker he scored against Chelsea in a 1-0 win at the North Bank end. Great true strike. Do you remember that? Mm, very much so. No. Was it yeah. as good as he says? Was it Neves-esque? <laughs> <laughs> Who? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, 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 scored some, I scored some decent goals, yeah. He's so modest, <laughs> isn't he? Rimbles That's what we're paid to do. Yeah, I was paid to do that. Uh, Phil Richardson says, Kenny Hibbert, my all-time great alongside Bully for different reasons. Kenny epitomised what was great about Wolves in the 70s and the early 80s. All his appearances were 100% effort, sweat and great goals and 16 years of loyal commitment. Hats off to Kenny, a true Wolves legend. Julian Keir will never forget the reception Kenny got when returning to a dilapidated Molyneux many years later as coach at Bristol Rovers. Incredible goosebumps, hairs on back of neck moment, never been repeated. Total match respect for one of the greatest players ever to grace Molyneux uh, I feel so humble about that yeah, um, thank you very much And that's not all my friend <laughs> there are so many I'm just trying to pick a few out Snarling Wolf says Art Kenny was sheer class combined with his guile graft amazing stamina his desire to sweat blood for his Wolves team and his tremendous shooting ability based on today's prices he would be worth a hundred million in my opinion <laughs> no problem love him to bits Ian Stevenson he'd be worth the moon to me <laughs> he says I even wrote to John Richards as a nine year old to ask him to get me Kenny Hibbett's shirt after he'd finished with it. John had come to my boys brigade prize giving so it was my only contact to getting the shirt off Kenny's considerably sweaty back he says. <laughs> uh, Wolvesy and I'm often asked which modern day player could you compare him to and there simply isn't one out there. His overall game was that good he'd easily achieve 100 million in today's market. Steve Plant who many fans will know said already on record saying Kenny will be worth 50 to 70 million in today's market never stopped running and never less than a 7 out of 10 in any game. Don't forget his career was mostly spent at the highest level. Phenomenal player and proud to call him a friend. True Wolves legend. Thank you. That's just a, a sample of some of the messages that we had in. And I say, everybody... I speak. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> what is it... How does it make you feel to oh. hear that you had that impact on so many people. I didn't know I, I didn't know that until, as I say, I've seen a bit of it, um, meeting all these people who's buying my book and um, having stories to tell. Um, I feel so humble about it. I didn't realise it, they, they felt so strong. Um, because when you were out there playing, you, you, you the, the atmosphere and the crowd, they pick you up, you know, and they pick me up a lot of the times when I was feeling a bit, a bit down or not playing so well. They they picked you up, so they played a massive part in my in my career, um, and I'd like to thank them all for that as well, because you know you have to have people behind you, you have to have support, and that's what they gave me these Wolves fans, and that's why I think, that's why I think I stayed for so long. They were my family in in many ways. Fifty million. <laughs> is the general level 50 million minimum is the general level 
You, we've been watching videos. Yeah, I, I don't think that's. I don't <laughs> I can't think that's argue with that. Can't argue at all. <laughs> no, right up there. I just find it incredible. <laughs> Is there ever a part of you that wishes that you'd played in the modern time? That I mean, it's for the money that some of these players get nowadays. Because well, you'd have been, you'd have been on hundreds of thousands a week. Well, it, 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 money never motivated me. Um, it, it was always second. Till I got married, obviously, and had a, had a mortgage to pay for, but uh, it never motivated me, and um, and it still doesn't, because friends and, f- and family are more important. Well, family first, and then friends are more important to me than 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 money. Always has been, always will be. It would have been nice to be playing now, I suppose, um, for the exposure they get. Um, more people would have seen you play and. Scoring yeah. your goals and where we only you only saw a match of the day occasionally and and that day that 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 were mentioned there when I came back with Bristol Rovers, that's just it's in it's in me that I I expected a little bit of a reaction when I came as assistant with with, with Jerry Francis, but he was amazing and and all I've got is memory. There's no coverage of it. There's nothing to yeah. to. It's just it's just him and even the players and Ian Holloway and and Gary Penright they just. They only filled up. It was just unbelievable. I mean, I expected a little bit of, you know, welcome back, Kenny, and that, but that was just, um, it was a feeling as good as winning the League Cup when I heard that. They weren't so happy after when we beat them 1-0, <laughs> but we, that was the only game they lost that, that, that game, but they were, they were brilliant, unbelievable. And uh, it's something that um, I will take to my grave with. That will, that will never go away. It seems like a fitting way to finish. Thank you very much. Well, you're very Thanks welcome. For coming Thank in you for having me. I could literally talk to you, not just all day, but for weeks and weeks <laughs> Thank on you. end. Well, I can talk. Lucy said, <laughs> Lucy said, don't go on and on and on. Because <laughs> I just, I just love, my, I love sport, I love football, I love Wolves, and that's it. The Old Gold Club, powered by Wolverhampton Building Supplies, official partner of Wolverhampton Wanderers. Thanks for downloading the Old Gold Club podcast. For more great content, check out rules.co.uk or follow at rules on social media. Oh, and by the way, please support us by rating and reviewing our podcast on iTunes and Spotify.